This is an issue that a Christ follower in the 21st century of America has to deal with, but we're gonna start the conversation, we're not gonna solve the problem. And I feel like that's what I'm so happy with, is that let's talk about this. This is the elephant in the room for Christianity in the 21st century. Let's start that conversation. And I think we did that at Keystone. Welcome to Keystone Conversations, our podcast on the topics and issues important to the Keystone family. Our hope is to give you insight, wisdom, and resources as you press on to know and follow Jesus. I'm Pastor Andrew Woodbury here at Keystone Church. With me, Pastor Brent Minter. Hello, hello. Pastor Matt Fry. I'm here. Good to see you guys. Man, it is the murderer's row. Love it. Always love it. Define murderer's row. I feel like you just called me a murderer. (laughs) Yankees, 1927. Garrig Mantle. Dude, you got to look that up. My bad. Oh, baseball reference. Uh, We come to you today uh, following what a great uh, Equip event, Equip Essential we had this past Sunday on transgenderism and sexuality. And frankly, gentlemen, I came away from that just so encouraged. One, uh, just one, the number of people in the room, um, the tone of the room, the conversations we had. Um, we get to see pictures of spiritual family at times, and that was one of them. So as you thought back now, we're about 48 hours removed from that. What were some of the more encouraging things you, you look back on in our time together as a spiritual family last Sunday? Yeah, I'll start. I, I felt like it was just a sweet moment of, I felt like our church was like, we need guidance in this and just thankful for guidance. I mean, clearly the, I feel like the vast majority of people are completely mm. agreed with us. There's going to be some people who don't. We understand that. We're not trying to start a debate and be contentious right. about this. But what I walk away with the most excited about is this is an issue that a Christ follower in the 21st century of America has to deal with. And I said it early when in the event when we welcome people, we're going to start the conversation. We're not going to solve the problem. Mm. And I feel like that's what I'm so happy with is that as a spiritual family, we're let's talk about this. This is the elephant in the room for right. Christianity in the 21st century. Let's start that conversation. How we can progress? How we can walk in these in these conversations? Um, and I think we did that at Keystone the other night. Yeah, I think that word family just sums up what I was encouraged by. Uh, you know, I made the comment about one of the best things you can do when it comes to dealing with controversy is submit yourself to the authority of a local church. And That's that, so good. I, I think Sunday night was an example of that. Like mm-hmm. people came and they said, this is, this is my family spiritually. Mm. So in the same way we would do that with our kids, we would sit down and have family meetings and conversations. We did that as a church. And I think the attitude for all of us was, let's learn together what does God what does God's word say? And how do we come under the authority of what God wants through his word and in the church? And man, that, anytime we do that is a great thing, whether it's in a connection group or a gathering like that. Yeah. And I think back over the last six months, just in terms of how we've utilized Equip here at Keystone and just to, you know, Matt, with your role in the, and Brent as well, I think back, we've, we've started the conversation on politics. We started the conversation on transgenderism. Uh, we started the conversation on how women find balance. We started the conversation on how men have mature masculinity. Um, there's not a lack of topics. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, and we're trying to get to them as fast as we can. But if I sit back and think of, am I more equipped? Have we equipped the saints for the work of the ministry over the last six months? And again, we do it in a variety of ways. We do it on Sundays, we do it in connection groups. I'm not denying that. But in terms of four topical, timely things that I feel better equipped to tackle the culture with. I just, I'm encouraged by that. Yeah. 
So as we go through today, there's, there's going to be two focus of our conversation today. One, uh, we're going to spend just a couple of minutes, and for those of you that maybe weren't there on Sunday or just as a refresher, we're going to, each of us hit our main points in a very, and this is more for us in the room, very expediated uh, lightning round of our main points. And then we're going to then hit some of the questions. Uh, most of them we didn't get a chance to answer on Sunday. Some of them we'll repeat just because they're so prevalent in people's minds. And then hopefully that will continue this conversation. As Brent mentioned, we're not going to solve it, but that we're going to continue to move the ball down the field with that. So Matt, you know, you kicked us off. Uh, you and I had the the privilege of having the perspective from inside the church. Uh, you kicked us off with theology. Remind us what your main points there. Yeah. So you're saying I don't have ten minutes? No, <laughs> not at all. By the way, Brent saying you and I had. 20 minutes and he only got 10 minutes I took on 14. his topic was that was really well played I must say that was like one of the best preacher moves I've ever heard I'm cutting in my time here okay. so quickly from a theological standpoint you know we said and again I want to reiterate I think a lot of people who, who have known and followed Jesus for a long time in that room could have articulated the things I, I've sure. articulated because they're they're not novel uh, we're created by God embodied and some people thought I said in body, and you could say that, but by embodied, I mean we're male and female and mm-hmm. body, soul, spirit. I mean, we're, yeah. we're holistic, it matters. So created by God, embodied as male and fe- female, and that comes out of the creation mandate in Genesis 1, 27, uh, into 1 Corinthians 6, you know your body's the temple of God. From that, we, we said the world is broken. So out of creation comes the fall, and the fall affects us in many ways, and one of those ways is something like gender dysphoria mm. and a broken sexuality. And that's much bigger than even what we talked about just uh, Sunday night. It's, it has implications in how marriages get broken and, and sin in general. So we talked about the fact that, man, the world is a broken place, uh, and what we used to be in Christ is not what we are. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the implications of that are, are many. First Corinthians 6, 11, I had quoted there. And some of you used to be like this. So the beauty of restoration in Jesus is what we know in the gospel now and what we will ultimately know someday when we're transformed. So world's broken. Last thing I said was God meets us with compassion and grace. And there we talked about the beauty of the cross and mm-hmm. the power of the gospel and um, the work of Christ and the, the statement that Jesus makes there in Matthew 12, quoting from Isaiah, bruised he, uh, a bruised reed, he will not break. Mm. That, man, taking compassion and grace into a broken world is the job we have with the transform the transforming work of the gospel. So good. Now, as you think through, as and we have sent out the resource page now to everyone, um, how was there one specific theological perspective in that resource page that you thought was most helpful? Totally to put you on the spot. I yeah, know. no, that's fine. <laughs> Um, I think that word transformation is the word that comes to mind to me. It's, you know, the, the Bible is a book of transformation. You know, the big, the big story of the Bible is looking forward to Jesus, the transformation he brings at the cross, taking us into eternity someday when we will be completely glorified, completely changed. That's what we look forward to. Mm. So I think, how are we taking, and that's the question we always ask here at Keystone, is how does the gospel become the thing that transforms us, not just when we are justified, but also throughout the process of being sanctified in our lives. So that to me, the thread of many of those resources is gonna be that gospel applied, mm-hmm. practically speaking. Right. So I, that's in a lot of those 
resources. That's a great foundation is that I took that in terms of, okay, given that, and again, most of it probably wasn't totally surprising to our people. Uh, but it's also good, and sometimes just to remind people, what's our statement of faith? What do we believe? But in terms now, what's going to be our behavior and attitude as a church body, as a spiritual family? And there are three things I point out in that, and we call them postures. Um, first, that this is pastoral work, small p. Um, not that this is just work of the pastors. This is shepherding, arm in arm, side by side, in at the kitchen table, in the rooms, and what we're trying to do is, again, the purpose of Keystone Church is to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's a great commission. And we sum it up in no one follow Jesus. Yeah. Because once you know Jesus, then you follow Jesus. And so it's going to be people want to win debates quickly or see results fast. None of that is likely going to happen in true shepherding pastoral work. And so just remind people that. Second is, and this goes off Matt's point, we will minister to broken people. We live in a broken world. And the reason we're going to minister to broken people is because we're all broken people. You know, Romans 3, 23 tells us clearly we've all sinned. And so try not to put this us versus them. We are all us because we have all sinned. We were all an act of rebellion against God. And just to remember some things, because of that, sin blinds us. You know, we, we sometimes get confused and upset when people are irrational or make unwise decisions. Sin is unfortunately blinding. That's clear biblical teaching. Mm-hmm. And then, as Matt said, we're works in progress. We are being transformed. It's not an instantaneous, you know, state change. It's we get better, we learn more, our minds get the word uh, in, the, in the verse is transformed. Um, so that's a good. Now, lastly, pastor number three, as a church, we will be truthful and loving. It's clear um, take from Ephesians 4.15. And that's attention to balance yeah. because it's so easy for us to fall into a couple ditches in which we talked about. In other churches, uh, we had some questions in the Q&A that were submitted about other churches. Uh, we will not be open and affirming. Uh, that's us ignoring um, truth. That's yeah. the ditch of no truth. And we, we, we will not do that. In addition, we will not be judgmental and rejecting. That's the ditch of no love. And so it's going to feel like attention as we walk through that. And so, you know, from an inside church perspective, the theology inside church, how are we going to practice that? That's what Matt and I came from. And then Brent, you then switch perspectives in terms of looking out toward the culture as a Christ follower, um, how to be a faithful Christian witness. And what were what are some summary points? Yeah, I feel like the majority of what I'm going to say is applied in the Q&A um, and to details of those things. But just a couple of things. Like I, I talked a little bit about like, the, there's a gap between the, the way the culture views this and the way the church sees this. The biggest gap there is, is that those who are struggling or open and affirming or those who are experiencing transgenderism or same-sex attraction or even just fully in, in, in the homosexual lifestyle is that they would see this as an identity issue. Mm-hmm. I am gay. I am a lesbian. I am trans. I am bi. Like This is who I am. This is the part of my makeup. And that's where they're going to come at this. We come at this as, no, this is an identity issue. This is a broken or a sin issue. You are a person made in the image of God, mm-hmm. male or female, and you are struggling with a sin of same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. Like That's the, where brokenness is in. And so that's a big gap. Mm-hmm. And as we walk through that gap, we're going to have to do that pretty... Uh, we're going to have to engage that gap with not just, well, you're wrong and you're right. We're actually going to have to engage it with wisdom. And we'll talk a little bit about kind of that, uh, how to deal with that in just a second. 
But with that, we talked to just terms. Mm. Like if you're going to have a real conversation, a lot of people want positions on this and they have no clue how it affects real people or have no inner relationship. The reality is if you're going to have a conversation with someone who disagrees with you, don't be an idiot. <laughs> right. And know the terminology. And right. actually, that's something I've actually had to learn of, of the terminology. You could go back and listen to just because that's take too long here. But once we get there, there, we need to have a framework for us to engage with. How do we need to engage this with everybody? Do we need to engage this with how do we do that? And a concept we put there is what it, where are you and where is your influence and where is your authority? Mm. When your influence is high and your authority is high, is probably an indication you should have that conversation more. And we talked about two places, both the context in which you live and the relationships you have. So how you're going to interact is your influence and your authority in both your context. That context is work and school. It could be your your hobby, your friendships, your neighborhood, uh, but then also relationships. We primarily talked about children and um and uh, um, children and your, what am I trying to say? Relatives? Uh, yeah, children and your relatives. Mm-hmm. How are you going to do that with family and close friends? Right. So we went beyond that and said, that's kind of the places. Where is your authority? Where is your influence? You have to battle this on every front. But last we talked about, how are we going to move into this conversation? And it just takes a lot of wisdom. We talked about Matthew 10, uh, 16, Look, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. Guys, American Christians in the 21st century were sheep a bunch a bunch of wolves. Mm-hmm. A lot of ideologies that do not align with scripture. And Jesus tells us to be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Right. And so Again, I talked about how serpents feel scary and evil to us, but in their culture. Because let me be clear, I always they are evil. <laughs> I hate them more than there is not a thing I fear more than snakes themselves. Yes, yeah, so it has a, a weird yeah. concept, but in their context, they would say that a, a a serpent or a snake was prudent, thoughtful, wise. It was a, able to avoid danger. That's what a snake can do. And so that's being shrewd. And so we have to be both shrewd and innocent. And so that actually takes um, wisdom. There are, like, listen, we don't need to wonder about what we believe, but as we're trying to interact in the world, we need wisdom and we need innocence. Mm-hmm. And when do we need those? It's based on our in, in, like our influence and our authority, um, which comes down to our conscience. We're, we're going to talk. There's a lot of preference. There's a lot right. of freedom in this area about how mm-hmm. we're going to deal with certain things. And a, developing our conscience, like, there's an area where it's like, that's wrong, that's right. And our conscience is kind of the word of God, you know, influenced by the spirit of God, where we just go, that's wrong, I can't do that. We need, we need to be developing our conscience, which means not just running towards fear and mm-hmm. what the culture says, but understanding of God's word, understanding of the culture we're living, so that we can be shrewd and innocent in our culture, holding on to the convictions we have. Great, and that's so. So that's a quick Cliff Note version. Mm-hmm. Although I think the current kids use a different source for Cliff Notes. They call it something else. Chat GPT. There, uh, <laughs> there you go. That's so good. Um, of what of what we said on, on Sunday, and we just want to re- remind everyone that, and also if if we weren't there, but now we're going to take a little focus and get in the Q and A session. And again, uh, some of these we talked about, about, but most of these are going to be ones that we didn't get a chance to. And there's going to be a variety of answers here. There's going to be some rapid fire answers here that 
have a very simple answer to. And there's going to be some that are going to be much more complex. Uh, before we get to the new ones, I, I want to take a moment because, again, I went back and looked at everything that was submitted. And by the way, to all our church family that submitted questions, I've never seen so many questions submitted in my life. Mm-hmm. And that was fantastic. It just took a long time to get through. Um, let's start with pronouns. Uh, just as a reminder of maybe some of the highlights of what we talked about, a lot of questions. I'm talking more than a dozen do I use pronouns? Am I wrong if I do it? Am I wrong if I don't do it? How do I deal with in the family? How do I deal with it at work? The pronoun issue was very, very key to our people. Mm-hmm. What were some of the, the highlights from, from as we talked about the pronoun issue? I think Matt really pulled that out, that it, it, sometimes our language creates... Explain what you, said, what you said on Sunday night. Well, you know, I think the thing that... I mean, I... The, the, the phrase I used is, when does terminology become ideology? Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard another writer put it this way. There's charity and clarity. Like, that's helpful too. I, and I was going to say this later, but I'll say it now. I think one of the biggest challenges in the whole, the changing landscape of sexuality is the fact that, that the language is constantly shifting. Mm-hmm. So that's the very difficult thing. You know, in a postmodern, everything's a social construct. It's like, well, you know, s- s- for a long time, sex was like, sex was binary. But now it's like, well, they've changed the whole meaning of what sex is. And so a lot of people say, well, no, sex is on a, stre- a spectrum. And we're like, biologically, that can't be. But well, it is, okay, deal with it. So, right, right. man, Language in this is obtuse, it's obscure, and it's constantly changing. Like we can say, well, no, it's this, and they can just say, well, no, we've changed all that. So all that to say, we need to take real care. When does, when does terminology become ideology? And I think mm-hmm. that, is the, that is the place where pr- pronoun usage is very difficult, where I, I, I'm more inclined to say, and I love what you had jumped to, Brent, which is what I've read in some of the helpful resources, is I can use a person's name yeah. because a name is very different than assigning something to someone that I truly don't believe, that I don't think fits reality, yeah. um, where, I, where I don't have to transgress against. And wait a second, that's an, ide- an ideology I don't believe. So I think that, that yeah. ideo- or, uh, terminology to ideology is a very good yeah. So I there's a lot of brothers and sisters who are super hesitant to use uh, preferred pronouns instead of biological pronouns, and I get that a hundred percent. This is the thing. I probably am really hesitant, but here's here's my trick. Um, we're the only pronoun that we're worried about that is not neutral is the third person plural and singular singular. Mm-hmm. And so what the trick that we have here is we can actually sidestep that whole debate and we can use their name instead of the pronoun. You're like, wait a minute, but they changed their name. That might be true, but this is where we can give a little bit, a bit, little bit of charity is because names are not by nature um, indicating but, gender. Right. Because my wife's name is Carrie. I know men named Carrie. So names by Nature are not gender specific, so I don't mind switching someone's name. The way the resources do it, culturally gendered, not biblically gendered. That's mm-hmm. correct, and it's that is fluid. Yes, that is fluid. Okay, absolutely. So that's the trick. There is that I know Christians that don't mind, and they would do that out of charity. I would probably lend myself to avoiding the whole conversation and using third instead of a he, 
he, she, it, I would go and just use their name because there's not a time in the world where that couldn't happen. And I think this is a good point to weave in other things. As we talk about a lot of things, and we talk about this in different contexts, we're trying to give you frameworks, we're giving you principles because sometimes they intersect. For example, um, I don't use a name, or I don't use a pronoun so I can use a name. But what happens if I'm forced? Well, now it's back to proximity, authority, influence. Mm -hmm. In terms of me, is that a fight you have to have? And that it's going to change by person. In addition, your brother or sister in a different context might come to a different conclusion because they have a different level of influence, proximity, and authority. And so that generosity, as we talk about that, is good to put terms to. Yeah, it totally is. And um, a big thing that we talked a lot about, because I think this is actually a principle about all of our things, is we— we are close-handed on the the our doctrinal convictions. We're not moving. Yes. We've we've never tried to move. We our our doctrinal position is millenniums old, millennial mm-hmm. old, right? Mm-hmm. Especially like, on this issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. on this issue, we're not moving. That's a closed-hand issue. There is some reality of open-handedness. There are good brothers, gospel-believing brothers and sisters who will use pronouns out of conviction, out of conscience. They may be in a different space than us, but. For me personally, I'm gonna avoid that whole thing mm-hmm. and honor, like because I do think there's danger, and I also understand why some people would do it. But I can, having not been more close to that, I can run names and be great. Yeah. Another reason to push back on the pronoun thing, I think, is you know, Brandy, you talked about the pastoral work. The other side of it is the conceptual work. Mm-hmm. Where where do we fight the the ideology? And I think there's. There are, I think you see in the culture, cracks in the foundation of some of this, some of this, the ideology of transgenderism, right. of an anti-God sexuality, where when we do push back in the right way, when we do push for clarity, mm-hmm. there's cracks in that. And so I, I think it is, the other side of it is, it, it is good to know where do I take a beachhead? You know, where do right. I say, no, I'm not going to talk like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a, I can see why it's such a powerful conversation Absolutely. and an important conversation yep. to have. Absolutely. So let's then take a, a jump into some of these other questions. Again, these could be rapid fire, they could be longer, but let's do, let's do the general topic of theology, uh, its application in the church. If God makes no mistakes, how can I love and be attracted to the same gender so strongly? Does God really want me to be alone? I'm going to go back to the reality of is that's a, that if someone's there, I can't imagine the burden that that kind of temptation is. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of compassion for that, but I also would say, I think... Um, um, the starting point is a little bit false, right. where that's your identity. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's not your identity. You That's the struggle you're at. I've never known an alcoholic or a porn addict or a, a serial uh, adulterer who doesn't like feel that tension. It just doesn't say, if that's who I am, they would say, that's the sin I'm struggling with. And so I don't want to disregard them, but... God made you. God made me. And he knit me together in my mother's womb. And there's so much about me. Like he has more positive thoughts of me than sand on the beaches. Mm-hmm. However, there is indwelling sin in me. Right. And that is, so that's not unloving. That's the cause of the fall, which pulls us right back to the gospel conversation that we are broken and must be redeemed. And it can only be happened through Jesus Christ. That's a great word. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm old enough to know that to have come of age in a church culture where there were no voices to, mm-hmm. to say, okay, if that is, if that is the issue of sin, that if that is my cross to bear, quote unquote, because I think that rises to that level of it's, it's the mortification. It's the killing of a sin 
that I don't want to reign in my body. I, I grew up in a generation where that was not acceptable. Like that was, that was something unlike other sins that people deal with. I think now the beauty of, of uh, the church today is we have those voices. And so in those like two resources I would draw people's attention to is, is, is God Anti-Gay by Sam Alberry, who is a brother in Christ who has struggled and struggles with same-sex attraction. Right, yeah. But who is a voice to help people who say, why yeah. did God make me this way? Yeah. Jackie Hill Perry's book, yeah. uh, Gay Girl, Great Good. God, Good yeah. God, yeah. is in there. Uh, Rachel Maybe. Gilson's book, uh, Born Again This Way. I mean, mm. those are all resources where people give voice to, yeah. how do I deal with that struggle? Rebecca McGough- McLaughlin writes the exact same way. He says, Correct. listen, at times I am same-sex attracted, but I, but by God's grace, I haven't had to act on that, right? Yes. Like, and so I think that there is a healthy conversation we're not going to solve today about mm-hmm. the temptation of same-sex attraction. And again, the identity concept says, well, then I must be gay versus I'm struggling with that. And that it it just puts it in a different category, right? And again, we'd also we've had other questions in terms about well, if if I'm gay and a good person, okay, remember the gospel, faith in Jesus Christ only, and that's how that it doesn't matter what you came from or what you're dealing with. That is the only way. And if you don't do that way, we do believe you're eternally separated from God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that basic theology that still has to be remembered as we do this. Uh, let's go to the next one. How do how do I deal with a professed Christ follower who fully affirms these issues? Or are they not a Christian if they think homosexuality and LGBTQ are okay? It's beyond our pay grade to uh, know someone's salvation, yep. right? Now, we can clearly... At the end of the day, God is the final judge of that. And, uh, um, but I think that as we enter into that conversation, um, listen, all of us who've done pastoral ministry, I have known followers in Christ who've looked at elders and said, I'm not going to do it mm-hmm. about sin that you. So this is not um, uncommon practice for deceived brothers and sisters. Right. And so, um, what I would say is, is if that's true, I'm going to leave the bridge open. Now, there's a difference between that we could talk about inside the church and discipline and all that sort of stuff. That's a different conversation to today. But I'm going to do everything I can to influence and pray for them. I, I really believe that most times in those situations, we we're more interested in forming an opinion than we are for hitting our knees and begging the Lord to interact with them. And so, there's a level of turning them to the Lord being available, shepherding them, caring for them, and being willing, if they're willing, to to give some guidance. Yeah, it's good. And that's where that clarity charity thing comes in, right? Like, I love how you started, Brent, that <clears throat> it's, not, it's not my job to determine the condition of someone's heart. The other side of that is, and we just came through it in the book of Hebrews, the Bible clearly points us to folks who think they're in Christ but are not in Christ. However, the question there is not, well, can they believe all these things and still be a Christian? The question there in Hebrews was trust and obey. Like, are they trusting? Are they obeying? So my, my prayer for that person, if I believe God's word stands against what they believe is, all right, I'm nurturing them toward trust and obedience. So yes, I'm pushing for clarity, but I'm also, there's also great charity in saying, I don't know what God's doing in their heart. Yeah. So man, it's and got, it goes, it's got to come out with that kind of balance. And it goes back to, again, <clears throat> authority and influence. I rarely ask my close friends, how am I dealing with you? Because I'm their friends. Yeah. I know what's going on. I think sometimes we ask those questions in relationships that we probably don't have the influence and or don't have the authority 
to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Because you rarely will ask those questions if you're in that close relationship in terms of, you know, how do I deal with them? Mm-hmm. Um, now, next question, how do we deal with other churches that say it's okay? Let me take this one, and I'll do it the fun way, not my circus. Yeah. I have, we have enough. <laughs> you can ask them. We're dealing with Kiso Church and what we believe in. There are very many denominations. There's very different conclusions. Um, we can only deal with what we're assigned to be yeah, accountable for. That's not our for. authority to reform those churches, That's right? right? Yeah. That's right. Are we against children consenting to physical gender transformation via surgery? 100%. Like, not, I don't even need to blink on that. I, I can't fathom in a world where you have to have a parent sign off to get a piercing or a tattoo, yet we will take a child and um, subject them to lifelong change because what they thought when they were 8, 10, or 12, I, it, it's irresponsible. It is um, uh, harmful. Harmful. And for the record, um, I ain't even trying to legislate what an adult does with their body. I don't know if it, I'm not talking right. about at a right. policy level. Like an it's adult, question. that's right. a totally different question. Yes. I am not... I'm not talking about stopping an adult who wants to do what they want with their lives. I'm pretty free on that kind of stuff. But man, are we going to, I would clearly line to protect a child and shield them from those kind of lifelong decisions at such an early age. Like I have teenagers and I, I just can't fathom lifelong decisions based on a momentary feeling, especially in the chaotic world that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you want to talk about cracks in the foundation of this ideology. That's one of the places where those those cracks are starting to form. And I'm not just talking about from Christians. I'm talking about the appeal to just general revelation and biology and the way a parent raises a child. I mean, what's innate in us? Mm-hmm. You know, as a culture, people are standing up and saying, that is not right. And they don't need God behind them. I mean, we yeah. have the force of what God says in his word. But I, I think that's one of those places where there's, there's clearly cracks in the foundation. Yep. Let's close out this topic with how do we stand in truth and not come across as extremists? Does this just mean we're transphobic and homophobic? I, I think there's two things is behind that is unfortunately trans and homophobic. Those concepts are not that you just have a fear, but what I've found is that when people have a fear, they act poorly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the issue here is not that, that we're afraid, but that, or not that just someone's afraid, but that in their fear, they act stupid or bigoted or something to that level. We said clearly on our stage, we're going to operate with truth and love. Yes. And so to me, I, I'm not going to operate in fear. Right. Um, I'm not. And I'm going to engage every gay, trans person that I know, not in fear or differently. I'm going to engage them because the scripture calls me to be salt and light. And this is a, a personal thing for me because I am going to interact. I would love to build bridges into that community. Do you know how hard it is for a pastor to, to have a relationship with a gay or trans person? So the fact that I could have that opportunity and it's not even that they're my project. That that person is carrying a huge burden. And if I could have space to be able to engage it there, what a gift that would be. And so we're not going to operate with judgment and fear and all those sorts of things. I, and so for me, I'm going to hold what I know to be true. And I'm also going to love you. I'm just, I to me, that is not mutually exclusive. It's kingdom. That's the kingdom priorities. Yeah, and just, I mean, 
what I said about, you know, what I'm most encouraged about is student ministry at Keystone. I mean, that's, that's an example of a place where it's like tip of the spear for these kinds of things. And we've, we've thought about that. We've anticipated it. We've said, here's a, here's a loving but biblical way we want to help people that come into our context to believe these things. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we're leaning with at Keystone. I mean, just one, one area beside, outside of this is like all three of us in this room have dealt directly with someone in this church who's, who's been faced with suicide in their family. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the, because, of, because of a mental illness or because of a challenge in their life, I mean, every day we're dealing with things that, man, are, are some in culture are taking firm stands against and we're saying we want to approach it in love and compassion uh, alongside truth. And so that banner that you threw over everything Sunday night of truth and love. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's where it's at. And I feel like we're, there's many ways in which Keystone is not a perfect church, but mm-hmm. we're operating within uh, that context. And let me just say, uh, you guys laid out good individually, but even corporately, I read a little bit from our transgender guidelines we give to all our ministries. And here is a verbatim what we have given every ministry, salt, youth, kids, volunteers. Hateful and harassing behavior or attitudes directed toward any individual are to be repudiated and are not in accord with scripture nor the doctrines of Keystone Church. People might use transphobic, homophobic as weaponized words against us. We can't control that. What we know is we do not have a fear of, an aversion to, a hatred for, or bullying of people like that. Some might say, well, we just speak truth. That's de facto. Well, we reject that definition outright. Mm-hmm. So realize we can control part of that, but I am confident, I think we would say corporately to stand before God and say we are not that in those areas. Yes. Okay, let's go family relationships. Uh, if Go back for those at the online resource. We spent a lot of time on the wedding question. We got that a lot in terms of how do you deal with uh, family members, friends, uh, invited, participate in, support gay weddings. But here's some other questions that came from that. Um, I have a child who identifies as LGBTQ. Do I confront them daily? Is there some other tactic? How do I shepherd them well? I would be on my knees nonstop asking God for incredible wisdom. Like this is a James, I need wisdom situation. This is a Hebrews, come to the throne of grace in your time of need situation. And I would assume that my instincts, my initial instincts and and flinches may be wrong, and I would want to walk in um, the long run, keeping relationship, keeping space to move forward. And I, I think what I'm trying to say as parent, if that's you, um, I have an incredible amount of compassion for you, and I will pray for you because you're going to need God's wisdom of when to say something true. You're going to need God's wisdom of when to hug and love. Mm. If you're going to operate in truth and love and... Um, it's going to be a mixture and a recipe of those two things over time, and when and trusting the long run. That's that's good. Uh, these are not ivory tower questions, by the way. Like, right. there's things in my life that are ivory tower questions, but I, I have people. There's people in this church yes. who yep. are acquaintances of mine as friends and as in a pastoral relationship who have children children struggling with transition transgender, who have same sex attracted kids. Mm-hmm. So. So that hits close to home. And one of the articles brought out affirming your child's biological sex and their corresponding gender identity. I mean, that's especially important with a younger child who you sense is that way. But in every way, affirming that. Because we live in a world where now when a girl wants to play with trucks, it's like instead of questioning the stereotype, we question their gender, which is 
it's crazy we've gotten there. But mm-hmm. as a parent, affirming their biological sex and the gender identity. Secondly was um, giving them focused attention and appropriate affection. You know, that, that's a great thing for any of us as parents. And I mentioned that, that step back and say, how am I showing affection for this child in a way that's appropriate? Maybe, maybe I haven't demonstrated love in the way that's going to nurture them. And so nurture them back with that. I mean, I, I think yeah. there's so many ways I did that with my own kids. And then the last thing in that was facing the obstacle of that destabilized gender identity or sexual attraction with grace, truth, and hope. And that's back to the things we've already talked about spiritually. Mm-hmm. Good question here. How do I support my child if they're friends with a lesbian? Let me kick this one off. Um, encourage them and say, good job. Yeah. Um, guess what? We're friends with sinners all the time. Yeah. This is that's an opportunity for you to come alongside, and I think this does go to at times when we talked about it on Sunday a little bit. This sin ranking we sometimes like to have. If my if my friends have a certain sin, and this is how let's argue this. Uh, this happens at the adult level too. If my friends deal with certain sins, I'm kind of okay with that. But other sins, like really off put. Okay, that's that's a me problem. Yeah, that's not a them problem. Randy, this isn't. Uh, this is completely normal for me. I've had trans and homosexual kids in my house, and I'm thankful for it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but at the same time, as a parent, now as a parent, I want that capacity, but I also have to understand my kids' ability to be in that environment. Mm-hmm. And so. A thing that we've taught the mentor kids is this. We love everyone. We follow those who follow Jesus. And so for us, if that, where would that, would I begin to shepherd that conversation a little bit differently is when um, that influence of that is now overtaking my child. I do have a responsibility to step in. Um, So I, it, it is, it's wisdom. This principles guide them in the best way and protect them in the best way I can. And so, man, that's welcome in my world. Um, it's also, I'm going to watch it without over being, you get the idea. I think it's a good reminder, you mentioned Monday, a step before the wisdom is, listen, you cannot be passive in this. Yes. You can't just sit back and hope it turns out okay. Oh, you got to have a conversation. You got to have it. And does it mean we pray, we rely on the Holy Spirit, and you do your due diligence, and you do your work, and you read the resources, and you enter that conversation. I can't can't help but think as elders, we talk about the the fourfold job of an elder to lead, feed, care, protect. And in many ways, there's a microcosm of that in the family with my kids. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, my son went to an art school and was surrounded by a lot of same-sex attracted kids. Transgenderism in, in his coming of age in high school wasn't as prominent. But I, I encouraged those sorts of relationships. But within that, and this is just restating what you said, Brent, there was that mandate to lead, feed, care, and protect my yeah. son in those contexts. So where is it okay to insert yourself in their lives? Which for him, a great example was the, uh, the gifts that God had given him in music. There was, there was a great connection with yeah. those kids that created wonderful relationships. But then where do I need to protect in that relationship? So it's just a, it's kind of another statement on what you're saying. So good. Uh, just a great reminder. And also, let me just reiterate what Brent said, because I think as adults, adults who are listening to this, love everyone, follow those that follow Jesus, is not a bad advice for your adult friends either. Yes. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Well, and I, this may come up, but I don't want to miss it, because someone had mentioned it to me as such a helpful thing that you said Sunday night, Randy, I think it was you, is... Uh, uh, you know, those of us who we wrestle with this wedding thing would many times oh. attend a wedding mm-hmm. of someone yeah. who has been cohabitating, which we, we feel strongly about as well here at yes. Keystone. Yeah. 
and wouldn't think twice about it because, Matt, well, they're doing the right thing. Well, I said I, that, that was such a great. I said that, and the room went silent. Yeah, yeah. Whoever said that, it was. I think that's a, a good reminder to it us. It is. It's so true. Anyways. Let's go to our last topic. Um, thanks, uh, everyone, for, for our conversation today. We know we're a little longer than normal, but there's such good questions here. And this one we probably won't go too deep in, but it's science, biology, and anthropology. Um, some very good questions, uh, very thoughtful questions in this. And let me just preface this by saying we're not scientists or biologists or anthropologists. Yes. However, well, we did stay at a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one we've heard many times, are you born homosexual or is it learned? Can a parent see signs in a five-year-old of this? Yeah. Man, every resource I read is prep as this, is that every, um, that it's nature or nurture, and they try to say it's one or the other, it's, it's kind of debunked. And um, I, don't, I don't have to land on any of those things. I, but here's what I do know, is that our sin nature is born inside of us. So if, I, if, if it's like, are you born that way? I know that I was born without having to cultivate a lot of sin in my life. And I also know that the, some of the experiences in my life have propelled that sin propensities in mm-hmm. my life. And so I can embrace both of those things because in any case, nature and nurture, the gospel is the answer. Right. And yeah, that nature-nurture paradigm, thinking of it that way has been so helpful to me. So I, yeah, I think that's- And what's interesting is, is you, we've had this conversation, Matt, our parents would not have gone there. Right, yeah. Like, they. Our parents would have said, this cannot be a nature thing. God didn't make you that. Like, that's the question. We will change behavior this out of you, right? Like, yes. we will change your behavior and get it out of you. Yeah. Yeah. And we had talked about even, you know, the, uh, the culture has moved the age of relevance, the age of consent, the age of knowledge. It seems it's going lower and lower. And we would just remind people the science of that is pretty clear in terms of brain development, in terms of hormones. There are certain things as a five-year-old that is virtually impossible for them to grasp. Yes. Because of the development and hormonal issue in there. So there's times where I do think the construct um, needs to be challenged a little more to understand what we're truly saying. And it's actually, in those cases, us introducing things into this conversation. Mm -hmm. This is back to um, the harm of an adult and a child. If if, if a five-year is over-sexualized, that is categorically a nurture issue, and that can be protected. Yeah, we protect the innocent and the weak is a clear biblical mandate, and we'll continue Facts. to do so. And again, I think this is where some of the cracks in the foundation are starting yeah. to show yeah. in this. Yeah. So, um, can doctors medically misassign a person? Um, we're talking about intersex. I'd be a good def. Like we historically have said, hermaphrodite, someone who's born um, anatomically, but with both male and female genitals. Um, this is a really tricky one because the fall is in, in our bodies. Right. I mean, there, there's probably things in your body, in my body, in your body that is a result of the fall that is we're embodying those either diseases or disorders or whatever. And so this is a really difficult thing, but what I do know is that early in those kids' lives, they are trying to make the best choice based on what is presented and that could be a really difficult thing. And so... Um, I've read enough to be dangerous. <laughs> so I will say this. I, this is my sense, and you can read it if you're out there and come back to me. But to, to try to use intersex as an argument for transgender 
from what I've read biologically is a mistake. Mm. And so I, one of the books I mentioned is gender of gen, the Genesis of Gender there. And in that book, she deals with an entire, entire tap, chapter deals with intersex. And so I would, I would challenge anyone who wants to say, misassignment, intersex, oh, by the way, you must be a different gender. I, I don't think that logically or biologically follows. So yeah, yeah read, read that book if you're interested. I, mean, I think there's many secular, like you said, not even Christian, but secular research that would support those conclusions. Correct. Yes. And Yeah, correct. Um, so as we, saw, as we finish up today, just one last thing in terms of a lot of questions. And this is, this is we're purely into life hacks and helps here. I think a lot of people say, I want to live this out. I want to be truthful and loving. Help me find the words. Help me find the talking points. What's some helpful things that I can go to when that? I want to be wise here and truthful, but I also don't want to burn relationships, get in angry fights. What are some ways? Do you have any ways to help us out in terms of truthful and love away? Along the lines of, hey, use names if you can. What other tips do you have that you've learned or seen? Man, I, um, I'm going to go back to the metaphor of Matthew 10, 16 of sometimes you're slaughtered. Like sometimes you're willing to say, they hated Jesus, they're going to hate me too. Mm-hmm. And you're slaughtered. <laughs> Sheep before wolves. Sometimes you're shrewd. Sometimes you're making peace. And I, again, with the relationships with people, I'm, I, I have friends who are walking through the transgenderism, transgender issue with a child and someone whose adult child is same-sex attracted. And I feel like that's the conversation we're constantly having. Apply pressure here, back off here. Mm-hmm. Truth here, love here. And maybe I wish I could wrap it up in a more magical way, but I'm telling you, it's the hard work of that, which in some ways is the hard work of the Christian life, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So uh, that, that, those, meta, those threefold metaphors there, the, the banner of truth and love that we were given Sunday night is is how I'm walking with friends through this. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, this is a, a small thing. Is like I'm going to interact with a Christian different than uh, most of what we're talking about is those outside the church who don't know grace. Yep. yep. And so for me, one of the ways I'm walking in that space is your, people are like, I'm not going to hide what I believe at all. But people are like, what do you believe? And I'm like, listen, you need to know why I believe what I believe. It's because I've been saved I have a king who's mm-hmm. transformed me. And so before I tell you what I believe and I put a law on you, I would love to introduce you to the king. Mm. Because if I'm just trying to change their behavior, it's not going to stick, right? But if I introduce them to the king and, and I'm in a place where I can speak the gospel, communicate the gospel to them, he can change them. I can't. And so I'm going to, especially when I'm those outside the church, I'm not starting about where we disagree. I'm starting at, let me tell you about Jesus. So good. It is. And I, I mean, I hate to try to tie this up in too nice of a bow, but that flourishing thing that we talk so much about at Keystone, that's kind of the focus of our sermon series right now. If we're truly in Christ and he has given us those answers, how are we as Christians demonstrating? I, I do have solutions to these problems. And I know it's not perfect. We all have challenges in our life. But how am, how am I demonstrating flourishing to my neighbor in a way that if he or she doesn't have Jesus, they're not flourishing? Um, because I think sometimes, man, we're, we're just as bad as the world. We, we don't claim what we have in Christ. So, man, I, I want to make it my mission to how am I embodying 
that kind of flourishing in my life so that it can be a testimony, a witness to my neighbors, beginning in the gospel and then flowing out to how I live my life. It's a great word. Keystone family, our hope today is that you're able to get um, just more equipping in terms of how we're going to tackle transgenderism and sexuality. And if I think of things we, t we tackle together as a church family, as a spiritual family, this is one of the things, co-labor together, locked in arms. One, being in our scriptures, having the Word of God speak to us, Holy Spirit, through our prayers, help us, and then the saints coming together. How do I be truthful? How do I be loving? And that's our hope for our family today. So thanks so much for being part of our conversation. If you'd like to know more about Keystone in general, hear our sermons, or listen to more conversations, please visit keystonelife.com. Until next time, keep the conversation going.